You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, Third Family. I hope that you had an amazing day yesterday and that you got to be with loved ones and friends and family and that you had some time to really rest and hopefully even reflect on the momentous thing that is the incarnation, the coming of God into our world and the person of Jesus. Um, really grateful that we can take this day um, to worship together at home. Uh, I hope right now that you're with uh, other friends or family members, or even if you're by yourself, maybe you've texted someone or called someone uh, to touch base with them on this day of worship um, this Sunday morning together. Wanted to just share a brief word with you today, and because we've been looking at this genealogy of Jesus, and specifically looking at the mothers of Jesus over this last month, wanted to just kind of do a summing up sermon today, and look at really the genealogy as a whole. Yesterday, when you opened presents, kids, I'm guessing that the best presents that you opened were ones that were surprises. Uh, Any gift is great, right? Any gift is great, but it's sometimes a little disappointing when you open a gift that you know that you were already getting. Um, you asked for it, it was on your list, and you're like, oh yeah, thanks so much, I bought this for myself, thanks, or whatever. Um, the best kind of gifts are often the ones that you did not expect at all and that were complete surprises. So this genealogy that we've been looking at for the last month um, is full of those kinds of surprises, surprises that you never would expect by looking at a boring old list of people like you find in Matthew chapter one. But what I wanna do this morning, just for a very few minutes, is just look at some of the surprises that are actually contained within this passage that maybe you never would have expected to find. So let's, let's talk about those. And I'm not gonna read the whole genealogy because we've been doing that. We've been reading much of it the last few weeks. If you'd like to hit pause now and read the whole genealogy, Matthew chapter one, verses one through 18, you are welcome to do that, but I'm just gonna refer to it. The first surprise that we encounter when we open the page of the first page of the New Testament is we find this genealogy is here at the very beginning of the New Testament, the very beginning of Matthew's gospel. It is a surprise that the story of Jesus begins in such a boring way. If you've ever read a a book or a novel or kids, if you've ever read um, a really exciting story, you'll know that the opening of the story is really important. You want to grip the readers. You want to draw them in, make them excited about what's coming. So when you open the first page of the New Testament and you open the first page, chapter one of Matthew's gospel, you start reading this long list and it's incredibly boring. You're wondering why in the world would Matthew start the most important story in the world about Jesus with this boring introduction? Well, you've got to remember that this book, Matthew, was written 2,000 years ago and it was written for people that were really different than who we are today. And back then, a list like this, a genealogy like this, would actually have been exciting to these ancient people because genealogies were really important. Genealogies served almost like a resume. If you apply for a job, you bring a resume that introduces who you are to an employer so that they might know what kind of person they could expect in hiring you. In the ancient world, a genealogy functioned in a really similar way. It gave your story, it gave your people, it gave your networks, if you will, and introduced yourself and who you would, who you 
what kind of person you are to the people that were listening and reading. So what Matthew is trying to show us here is that in this list, as an ancient person would have read this list, they would have seen all of these really exciting and familiar names. They would have heard Abraham, uh, Judah, and David. And as the list went on, there would have been this growing sense of anticipation about who was coming at the end of the list. It's like this long parade of people. If you've ever watched a parade before, you know that sometimes the best things come at the very end. And if you're watching this long parade of people that spans over 40 generations and thousands of years, and it is all of it building up to the person who comes at the very end of the list. And so Matthew is trying to tell us by opening his book in this way, is that the Christmas story is not the, the beginning of a new story. It's actually the finale of a story that has been going on since the beginning of the world. That God had made some serious promises to his people. He had made a promise to Abraham that he would bless the world through him and his family. He had made a promise to David that out of him would become a king, a Messiah, who would rule for all eternity. He had made promises through the prophets that God's people would not always be stuck in their sin and stuck in political exile, but they would one day be rescued and freed. And so what Matthew is showing us in this genealogy is that despite all the terrible things have happened, and despite all the many, many thousands of years where it seems like God has been checked out, God is keeping his promises, that his promises are finally being fulfilled because the Messiah has finally come. This is not the start of a new story. It is the beginning of the end of the story that all of us have been waiting for. So that's the first surprise, is that we see from this list that God keeps his promises. And that's a really important thing for us to think about on this Christmas, this Christmas season, is that you might be in a season where you're not really sure where God is, um, you're not really sure how God is going to show up and come through for you. And sometimes you even wonder whether God is there at all. But we see from this list that it, though it took a long time, 2,000 years, God indeed kept his promise to bring the Messiah and that he will keep on keeping his promises to us. He will come through as he has already come through for us in and through Jesus. So that's the first surprise, the list itself. The second surprise um, is the people who are actually in the list, pe the people who are in the genealogy. We've already talked about this a little bit by looking at the four women that are in the list and how surprising it was, five women actually, including Mary, how surprising it was that there were women included in this genealogy. But it's not just the women who are surprising characters in this genealogy. There are many different people that are surprising that might raise our eyebrows a bit. You know, when we talk about our family trees, we tend to like to highlight the special people and the important people, not the people who maybe did some sketchy things or, or maybe um, weren't the best people that we want to, we kind of want to keep our, our skeletons in our family closets. We don't want to highlight them in our family trees. This is what makes Matthew's genealogy so surprising is because he includes many people in, in the family tree of Jesus who are not great people and who are not heroic people at all. Uh, Jacob uh, was a liar and a swindler. Um, Judah was a womanizer and a murderer. Um, Rehoboam and Abijah and Ahaz were some of the cruelest and most violent and wicked kings in Israel. And even some of the so-called great people on the list, like King David, 
we know was an adulterer and a murderer, like we heard from Nan a couple weeks ago. Uh, Matthew seems to go out of his way to remind us of David's sins by calling Bathsheba Uriah's wife, uh, reminding us of what David had done. So what's going on here? Well, sometimes people think of the Bible as a book full of good moral examples for us to follow, inspirational people who we should try to be like. But that's actually not what the Bible is, we see from this list. Um, the, the Bible is not mainly full of good examples and good people for us to emulate and follow so that we can work hard and get our acts together. The Bible is actually a collection of broken people, messed up people, people who don't have their acts together, getting rescued by a God of grace. That's the message of the gospel, and that's what this genealogy shows us about the character of God. The good news is not mainly about what you're supposed to do. Jesus did not come to earth to give us a good example and to show us the right way to live, although we learn many good ways to live from him. But he mainly came to break into our world to rescue people like us and the people like we find in this list. All of them, whether they are prostitutes or kings, people who are in the gutter or people who are in the very top of society, all of us, all of these people on this list and all of us are equally sinners, equally in need of God's grace and equally loved. That's what this genealogy shows us, um, that Jesus the Messiah has skeletons in his closet and he is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters, as it says in Hebrews 2.11. Jesus is not ashamed to put broken, messed up people in his family tree, and he's not ashamed. In fact, he's proud to bring us, people like us, into his family tree. We are the skeletons in the closet of Jesus, and he rejoices in that because this displays his grace. It says in John 1, to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. By believing in Jesus, he grafts us into his family tree, and he is proud to call us his brothers and sisters. So that's a beautiful surprise that we find in this list. Finally, the, the final, I think, surprise that we find in this genealogy is the Messiah himself um, who comes at the end. Like we said, people are, were expecting a Messiah for hundreds of years. They were expecting a great Messiah to be in the line of David. There were many prophecies like the one that we find um, in the book of Isaiah that talks about a coming king of great power and strength and might who would who would uh, conquer his enemies. That's really the kind of Messiah that the ancient Jewish people were expecting, a Messiah of great power um, and great might uh, and great acclaim. So you would expect a Messiah like that would show up in a palace, uh, would show up uh, with great fanfare, would show up and be born to some really important people, royalty perhaps. So what makes this list so surprising is at the very end, we don't find a person like that. Instead, we find, as it says in verse 16, um, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And ancient people have been like, who? Joseph? Mary? Who are those people? I never heard of them. Jesus was not born in the way that we would expect a mighty Messiah to be born. Instead, he was born to a poor, unwed teenage mother in a borrowed barn, surrounded by the stench of animals, with nobody but a bunch of shepherds to welcome him. This is just very surprising that a powerful Messiah would have shown up in such a humble way. There were actually many ancient prophecies that predicted the Messiah would be like this, like Isaiah 53. But for some reason, people chose to overlook those more in favor of the ones that 
portrayed him as this powerful person. So what we see with Jesus is that he is powerful, but he is also vulnerable. That he is mighty, but he is also humble. That he has power and strength to rescue us and set us free, but he does that in the most humble of ways by becoming a common person, born to common people, living an ordinary life, and ultimately dying for our sins and going to death by his enemies that he loved. And so we see that here is a Messiah, the Messiah that we were expecting, but he is a very surprising Messiah. He is one who came not to conquer his enemies through force, but to conquer sin by giving himself over to his enemies in death. And so we see not the kind of Messiah that we are expecting, but the way he was born, the way he came into the world, foretold the kind of life and death that he would ultimately offer for us. So here's these amazing surprises in this genealogy. First, the surprise of the genealogy itself, that Matthew begins his gripping story with a long list that reminds us that God keeps his promises. Second, the surprise of the people in this list, that they are not heroes, but actually scoundrels, not moral exemplars, but broken sinners, reminding us that Jesus has come to rescue us from sin and death. And then finally, there's the surprise of the Messiah himself, that he was not born to rich and royal parentage in a palace in Jerusalem, but that he's born to a bunch of, a couple of teenagers in a barn in a country town so far off the map that people didn't even know where it was. This is our Messiah. And as weird as this genealogy may first appear, it contains some remarkable surprises to give us hope in life. Uh, Dale Bruner, the great Bible teacher, says that this genealogy reveals the length the depth, the width, and the love of God for us. The length, because it shows that Jesus is the fulfillment of centuries of promises. Width, because it includes women and men, Jews and Gentiles, all of us. Depth, because it includes notorious sinners who need to be saved. And height, because it all points to our paradoxical Messiah who was born to die and who reigns through a cross. This is what Christmas is all about, coming to terms with this Messiah and how he gives us and shows us the length and the height and the depth and the width of the love of God, the astonishing gift that Jesus is for us, God in the flesh, the love of God made real for us in Christ. This is the greatest gift, the greatest surprise that Christmas offers it. And I pray that you will open that gift and rejoice in it over the next uh, season of Christmas. So let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for the gift that Jesus is, that he is not the kind of Messiah that we ever would have expected. And he welcomes sinners like us, people who would not necessarily ever have been included in the family tree of the Messiah, that we are brought in, that he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Thank you that you have fulfilled ancient promises and that you will continue to fulfill promises to make us whole, to set us free, and to come again. Give us joy in this Christmas season as we reflect on the height and the length and the width and the depth of the love of Christ that have been made known to us in this gift of Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.